Welcome to Covenant Conversations, episode number three. I am your host, Shweta Rao, and today on the 7th of April, I have the pleasure of speaking to an investment industry veteran on the role of covenants in leveraged finance. Our guest today is a portfolio manager at Fairox Capital. He is responsible for granular corporate credit investing and has over 20 years of experience in this industry. He grew up in America and was a senior advisor at the Bank of England. Welcome, Tyler Wallace. Hello, Tyler. Hi, I, how are you? I am good. I am so pleased to have you join us today. You? Yeah, very good. Just coping with the, the new, new, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, we are in the credit markets and the entire world is in the midst of an unprecedented flux. How has that changed your life as an investor in the past few weeks? Um, I mean, I think I think sort of the velocity of how uh, everything's changed over the past month is, has been something that, you know, it's kind of caught everybody by surprise. But, you know, I think, you know, generally, you know, we're coping with it and, and you know, we had sort of, you know, almost disaster recovery steps in place. But pretty much for the past three weeks, the whole office in both uh, London and New York has been working from home uh, and it's been working out well. So it's pretty seamless from a technology point of view. I guess just day-to-day life is, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, trying to manage the portfolio, you know, speaking with investors, you know, communicating potential ideas, then also just sort of the day-to-day reporting. So it, it's all, it's all just, you know, it's all working fine. It's just a bit harder when you're doing it from your home rather than sort of, you know, the office where you have, you know, a bit more continuity of, of things. Yes. And um, you mentioned that you managing your portfolio, does that also involve looking into the documentation side of what is sitting in your portfolio and looking at covenants? Yeah. So that, that's where we've been spending a fair bit of time. So there's, there's sort of going through things from a credit perspective Mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, that's a very fluid environment because, everything that's evolving with regards to how long the lockdown throughout Europe, the US, obviously Asia is is happening and then, you know, what a potential recovery is looking like. So that's where, you know, from a credit or from a financial analytical perspective, that's where we're spending a bit of time. But from almost a legal documentary perspective, we spend a fair bit of time going through the docs, trying to figure out, um, you know, it's good that a lot of our companies are taking defensive measures and they're drawing down the revolvers. But at mm-hmm. the same time, through covenant calculations, sort of the additional debt or additional co- debt capacity that could be taken on in case there's a liquidity shortfall and sort of what that would potentially mean with regards to our position. You know, in most cases where we're senior secured lenders um, and what we do and, and the important thing for us is, is obviously, you know, maintaining that, you know, protecting that security package. And also just making sure that, you know, we're not somehow subordinated, whether it be time subordination or, you know, frankly, layering of debt um, with regards to something coming at at a super senior level. So so that's where we've been spending a lot of time just going through the docs to figure out not just the covenants, but also sort of how things would look if there is, you know, new money to come in in what shape yes. and form that might come in. And as both of us have discussed in the past, the documentation has become much longer, much more complex, and much more flexible in favor of the borrowers or the sponsors backing them. So um, I imagine there are, sort, there, there are all sorts of you know, hidden flexibilities in there that um, you would also be pouring over, as indeed we are, especially with respect to ratio calculations, uh, basket calculations, EBITDA backs, and the such. 
We are, and and it's it's challenging because you know, and, and there there's just a lack of transparency, and and that's obviously on purpose with regards to how loan documentation is now, um, and sort of how it's evolved over the past say two three years, but it is it is something that that we're trying to work back through, and actually you know one of the things you're trying to always figure out is how much capacity is there, you know, whether it be, you know, how much debt capacity there is, you know, how much cash leakage, you know, what about security leakage? And you're trying to work through somewhat, somewhat complex and, and frankly, you know, opaque We're we're working through it, but it's, there's a lot of flexibility. I think the flip side of that flexibility is from a, from a, again, from a lender's perspective, you're always worried about, you know, how would this impact our position? How would this impact our, you know, ultimate recovery? I think from the company's perspective, there's been so much flexibility built into these documents that, you know, a CFO or an FD, they they may think that this is the right thing to do. And frankly, they may trip up in their own documentation because it has been so complex. And frankly, you know, it hasn't actually been not challenged, but actually, you know, we're going through a crisis now to where the documentation will actually be put to work. And there may be triggers that get hit inadvertently and the collateral damage from some of this flexibility and some of the, frankly, lack of transparency in the documentation may actually come back to bite, you know, the company and the sponsor where, you know, the original intention was to create as much flexibility as possible. That, that is a very interesting perspective. Um, we, sh- we shall have to wait to see how, like you say, the documents actually play out and how all the creative flexibilities that have been put in the past few years um, are actually tested. Uh, but in terms of if you are sitting with a loan that you have examined in your portfolio and you consider that perhaps this is not the right one to be in at this moment in time, are there any sort of documentary restrictions which could prevent you from exiting the loan? Are you on a practical basis seeing anything to that effect? I'd say not yet. So this is one of the things that we focused on um, going into this crisis. And and we usually were giving consistent feedback on the docs with regards to transferability. Yes. Uh, and that's something where obviously there's the secondary price movements that have been extremely volatile. And, you know, again, over the past month, you know, we've seen movements that, you know, we haven't seen for, you know, 10, 12 years. So what what that what that sort of has resulted in is is, you know, a new investor base may have traded on some of these names in the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that may be in the form of a stressed or distressed investor. And again, you know, if you're selling something, you're probably facing a counterparty, which is a bank, and then they're facing a counterparty, which is maybe someone that's not on the approved white list. Um, or, you know, they may be on a black list in the States, but over here, you know, most loans tend to work off of a, a white list type concept. And that's something where, you know, I think, again, we're going to find out, you know, what's in the documentation. Uh, I think there's been, you know, a lot of discussion around, you know, how much flexibility is sitting with the ultimate borrower with the sponsor to control the the syndicate and control who goes into their deals. Uh, and that's something where I think for the moment, because there was a bit more of a liquidity push where, you know, there was an urge to sell and that's fine. What will happen is loan settlement is something that's still a bit archaic, but you may start to see some settlement issues wash through as as these trades actually start to settle. And, you know, I think the sponsor will be very vigilant on who they allow into their transactions and will be watching the trades come through. Have you seen, um, have you had interaction with the sponsors in your, in the companies you've invested in? And have you seen any 
uh, reluctance or indeed enthusiasm from them to support their portfolio companies? I'd say the sponsors we've reached out to over the past couple of weeks um, have been, you know, if you look at the European landscape, there's there's obviously there's the large, you know, global sponsors and then there's going to be the more regional or niche sponsors. I'd say mm-hmm. I'd say all of them are responding, you know, as, as best they can. And, and, and really, you know, depending on the nature of the portfolio company, you know, sponsors are, are dealing with, you know, what previously they were looking at, what's the next next acquisition target. Or, you know, what's my exit going to be to, okay, let's run a scenario where we have zero revenues for one to two quarters. What's the cash burn? How do we minimize the cash burn? So I believe, you know, most sponsors are, are frankly focused on the immediate need, the immediate liquidity need of their, of their portfolio investments. And they're being quite open and, and frankly responsive to questions. We're finding that through sponsors, through management teams where, you know, obviously no one knows what's going to happen, but you can see that that actions are being taken. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so the sponsors that we've spoken to have been have been quite um, open and and, you know, they appear to be, you know, willing to support the company. You know, really, I think I think the situation where, where you're going to see a lot of credit stress and a credit, you know, a bit of deterioration really is there were weak names going into sort of the, you know, the pandemic breaking out. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that, that's related to certain sectors, certain industries. And and what you're going to see is weaker credits obviously will struggle coming out of this. But, you know, a situation where it's a recently done transaction where the sponsor put in a sizable amount of equity, if there's going to be a, and I'm not going to say a minimal, but, you know, if someone paid 800 to 900 million of cash equity into a business and there mm. may be 100 million shortfall, you would you would think with as much dry powder that's sitting out there, you know, that's been reported in the press, the sponsor would put in the hundred million for that. Then the, we haven't had this discussion with them, but obviously our concern is at what, how does this money come in? Does it come in as additional debt? Great. Mm-hmm. If it comes in as equity, that's great. You know, high yield is a different discussion with regards to super senior and sort of, you know, how that door is open there. But I think, I think that's, that's really where sort of the next layer is, is I think most sponsors will be supportive of, their portfolio companies, but they will also try to protect, you know, their equity and and do it in a way that, you know, may not always be congruent with sort of the desires of a senior secured lender. Yes, I mean, in Selector, um, KKR put in super senior debt and it maxed out its super senior debt uh, basket in the high yield bonds. So that was an interesting play. We also have been hearing that a few sponsors are considering buying back debt yes. uh, of uh, their portfolio companies. So that, um, and obviously there are sort of legal issues involved there. You know, in leveraged loans, debt buybacks are regulated, but also as well there are tax issues and the commercial issues. Needless to say, I, so I think debt buybacks, and, and you correct me on this. I, I think there's that's one area of the documentation that that seems to have been a bit tighter relative to to some of the other parts of the documentation but that that was something that we that you know a lot of the sort of provisions that have been put in place post um you know the great financial crisis seem to have stuck around but but you might correct me on that 
Well, it's interesting you bring it up because we're publishing an article, uh, a two-part article, one today and um, one hopefully tomorrow, talking exactly about debt buy buybacks and analyzing the strength of the provisions, both when borrowers buy back debt and separately when sponsors buy back debt, because there are provisions regulating both. There has been a certain degree of uh, weakness coming into them, but you are right, compared to sort of the rampant uh, loosening of other covenants like debt, debt increments covenant or peace covenant, yes, it's not been as um, weakened as much as compared to, say, some other covenants right. that um, are in a leverage loan document. I mean, like we were discussing the other day, it's quite possible that leverage loan documentation is actually weaker than high yield bond documentation, which seems like a bit of an inversion of uh, how things should be. Um, so looking forward, when primary... Uh, wakes up again and people start issuing bonds and loans, what would be in your wish list of covenants to improve? So, so I think, I think from our perspective, you know, we, you know, you've seen the documentation weaken over the past two to three years and, and with this sort of natural, well, it's not natural, but this pause in the market kind of, we think will sort of create almost a loans 3.0 to mm -hmm. where, where there's a chance for a bit of balance to come back in the pendulum hopefully swing a bit more back towards from a lender perspective. I think, I think the, the, the key points for us that, that, you know, it starts with in terms of the documentation is really around leakage. And, you know, when we think of leakage, we think of security leakage, we think of cash leakage, um, you know, and, and we've seen a lot of these tested both on, you know, sort of a security package side, whether it be, you know, the infamous J crew clause mm -hmm. or something like that, but then also on the cash leakage side with regards to, you know, how much money can actually go out of the business. So I think, you know, we would start to think in terms of, you know, the protection again, from the point of view of a senior secured lender perspective, we're, we're quite concerned about that around the debt capacity, sort of the purpose baskets, you know, what a potential layering of debt would look like with regards to, I think you guys are going to, you know, focused on this as a bit of intercreditor issues as well. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the, the stuff that, that really starts to, you know, that we're, that we're working through now, and this is just sort of, I think the beginning of this, but there's there's definitely you know the covenants, and and it's not a situation where you think you're going to go back to the world of the four covenants, you know, where we have you know four maintenance covenants and all that. But you know, I think it makes sense to where you know some of the covenants actually do make sense, especially in terms of a maintenance covenant with regards to say leverage, right. but also with regards to free cash coverage. So so that's a situation where you know depending on you know, how businesses perform, you would expect to see, you know, some form of covenants come back and in tow also, you know, the amount of add backs and sort of that flexibility. You can, you can imagine, you know, sponsors will fight hard for that. But, you know, if you layer in something like a free cash flow covenant, um, it's something that's a little bit harder to manipulate relative to mm -hmm. maybe the leverage covenant. So that's something that we would kind of hope to see would gain a bit of a bit of traction. The the others are really around just, you know, frankly, the reporting packages right now are quite right. poor. Um, you know, you have a situation where a lot of companies, you know, in Europe in particular, they use report monthly. Almost every company has reverted to a quarterly reporting package. And that's something where given sort of, you know, sort of the scale or the size of some of these businesses, it's not particularly appropriate. And also some of the things with regards to reporting is the, the documentation, you know, it was so weak that you could go into a transaction and you may not actually receive 
any kind of reporting and maybe say nine months from now mm -hmm. or something like that. So that's a situation where, you know, we would expect to see the documentation tighten up around the porting, reporting of, you know, on ongoing basis, but also when an initial or first reporting would be. And then right. the last point we already spoke about is really transfers. That's something that, you know, that matters to us because we tend to focus on being a bit more nimble and trying to move in and out of positions. And if your transfer, you're trying to get out of a loan, and for example, some of this transfer language actually comes to bite, you know, it's something that, you know, we see as a bit of a detriment with regards to sort of the functioning of the overall secondary market. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just a general tightening of the documents where, you know, I think the pendulum, like you said, had swung too far to the lender side or to the borrower side of things. And a bit of balance would be, would be, you know, I think a minimum with regards to what we're dealing with now. That sounds like a good wish list to me. Um, well, thank you so much, Tyler, for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, folks, Tyler will be speaking tomorrow on the 8th of April on a panel called European CLO Market COVID-19 Impact Liquidity and Collateral Performance Update. It's organized by the Information Management Network and is free to register. Um, good luck for the panel. And Tyler, we will be behind you supporting all changes in covenants, investigation of covenants and analysis uh, and helping you and the other investors as much as possible. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and hope to catch up with you soon. No, thanks very much. Stay safe and speak to you soon.